You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 126. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Our Take segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. This week, backed by popular demand, we put together a case for and case against segment. In the line of fire is Ballard Power Systems, Inc., symbol BLDP on the TSX, which designs, develops, and manufactures and sells proton exchange membrane fuel cell products. Ballard Zero Emission PEM fuel cells are enabling electrification of mobility, including buses, commercial trucks, trains, marine vessels, passenger cars, and fort lift trucks. We argue both sides of the buy-sell argument for the stock. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, we take a listener question on Element Fleet Management, symbol EFN on the TSX, a global fleet management company providing world class services and financings for commercial vehicle and equipment fleets. We investigate how the business is holding up during the pandemic lockdown. Our star of the week is Mogo Inc., symbol O-M-O-G-O on the TSX, a Canadian-based fintech company which offers a finance app that provides a number of solutions for managing and monitoring your financial health. The stock is up 30% in the past five trading days. We let you know why. Let's get into the show. I'd like to welcome my co-hosts, Brennan and Aaron. How are you two doing? Good. Good morning. Good, good. Just uh, just having a good chuckle here, Ryan. You were telling us about uh, our our esteemed prime minister getting pranked by some Russian pranksters. Yes, uh, Russian pranksters uh, got him uh, posing as Greta Thornburg that came out last night. Um about seven minutes. You can go online if you want to. So little they called him pretending that. to it's be. It's really Greta surprising how they got he through. Fell for it essentially. Somehow they got through and they had a conversation. So he thought he was he was speaking to to Greta. Yeah, you would you would think it would have to go through several layers of security before you would get right uh, dialed into the PMO's office, but uh, apparently they got through. Uh, somebody had Greta's voice down. So that's a tight pat. tight operation. The it, it sounds like it. <laughs> they got right through and uh, questioned him. Had a call with him for about seven minutes. Uh, uh, he, he handled himself um, fairly well, to be honest, in the seven minutes. But uh, there were some questions there about some uh, South Park characters, Terrence and Philip, that got through. And uh, I think he finally realized they were talking about uh, fictional characters that she wanted to be introduced to about uh, six minutes in. And the call ended after that. But uh, they'd certainly got a full conversation uh, with the prime minister and uh a little bit of levity in these times is kind well, of funny. Knowing that's possible, Ali so, G's got to make that. a move or Borat or somebody <laughs> mm. to... Borat is, I'm sure he's already yeah. on the phone getting through. But uh, you can't say no to Greta, right? So she, she got through pretty easily, really. 
So I think if we posed as the Prime Minister of Britain, I think we'd go through some uh, severe security checks to get through to talk to him. But Greta just went right. I'm through. not even going to attempt. I'm not even going to attempt my British accent. I'll just mm. offend everybody from from the UK. So it's offensive even thinking about it. To be exactly. Honest. Well, we finished off our uh, building a modern stock portfolio, 15 to 25 quality stocks last week. You can purchase that online, the on-demand version of it right now. But it was great. We had, uh, you know, 500 people in there plus. And, uh, you know, our question periods at the end of those were absolutely jammed. Uh, We had a hard time getting to all the questions. It was great to see. Uh, all the uh, you know all the intrigue and excitement around the markets and uh, all the interest in those events uh, they keep growing and growing which is great. Now let's get to uh, this week's case for and case against. Uh, we are going to talk about Ballard Power uh, this week. Uh, associate analyst uh, Brennan will be providing the case for investing in Ballard Power Systems, and I will be opposing him with the case against slapping your hard-earned dollars down on the stock. Aaron will act as judge, jury, and executioner to determine who wins the day. Now, the case for Ballard Power, Ballard Power Systems, BL. DP on the TSX. A quick description, Ballard Power engages in the design, development, manufacture, sale, and service of proton exchange membrane fuel cell products. The company offers heavy-duty modules, fuel cell stacks, backup power systems, and portable power, and unmanned aerial aircrafts, and material handling products. It also provides technology solutions comprising engineering services and technology transfer services as well as licenses and sells intellectual property uh, portfolio that it has and fundamental knowledge of various fuel cell applications. The company services transit, bus, automotive, rail, truck, material handling, UAV, marine, and critical infrastructure markets. So there's a brief summary of what Ballard does. Currently, it trades at $28.22, $7.3 billion market cap. Now, with the case for Ballard Power, uh, it is Brennan. It is. Brennan, okay. So, as as always, I'm going to be the judge. Uh, when I say go, the one-minute timer is going to start ticking. Um, once it once the alarm, so- the alarm sounds off, uh, who's ever speaking stops speaking and we we move to the next uh, we moved move to the next round or the next speaker so are you ready to go here Brennan I was born ready mm, okay. you're gonna get gone uh, let's go okay number one the company's core mission is to deliver fuel cells for a sustainable planet which is on trend number two revenue has been growing at a great pace increasing 17 percent in the past nine months over the same nine months for 2019 all while covid 19 has had a significant impact on the business number three the company announced a six times expansion of its manufacturing capacity of membrane electrode assemblies which are key to building fuel cells this will be completed in early 2021 number four they have a great balance sheet with no debt and a current ratio of nine times so the company is currently very liquid Number five, China represents a great opportunity as the government is trying to address air quality issues and Ballard has a key joint venture with Wei Che, one of China's largest public companies who develops diesel engines. Number six, Ballard has signed a technology development agreement with Audi uh, to develop its FC Gen PM or PEM fuel cell stacks to help drive Audi cars, which could bring a lot of demand for their fuel cell stacks uh, in the future. Um, so, boom. Good, five seconds I left. I think he here. did that on fast Excellent. forward. Did we? Can we check that? 
<laughs> I know. I was flying through. No it. point even, even sounding the alarm. <sighs> and nice job. One last comment, Brandon. Nope, we're good. Nope, nope. Okay. That's uh, that's all I got. Excellent. Okay, good, good job, Brandon. Uh, Ryan, are you ready? <laughs> I am ready. Okay, go. Number one, poor track record. Founded in 1979, Ballard has always had promising technology, but in its 40 plus years, the company has not produced a cent of cash flow and accumulated a shareholder deficit of $1.26 billion, with no end in sight. Number two, no profitability, with negative free cash flow of $20.2 million in the latest quarter and 12 month backlog, order backlog down 20% sequentially. Estimates for 2021 appear high. Given COVID related delays and a potential scaling back of the company's agreement with Audi, sales could drop in fiscal 2021. Number three, high valuations. The company has a $7.36 billion market cap with less than $100 million in sales, trades at 40 times those sales with expectations of continued losses. There are simply better options out there to play the renewable energy with less risk and strong track records. High valuation, zero cash flow, a poor track record, and significant competition in the green power market. Despite Boo Sky potential, Ballard appears overvalued in the near term. Oh, with one second left to go. Wow. Okay, okay. So, um, some very good points presented by both sides. Uh, Brennan is, you know, talking about some future potential in China and all of the the uh, growth opportunities in front of a, a renewable energy company or a, a green power company like Ballard. Uh, Ryan gets right down to the nitty gritty. You know, the company has not produced financial value, has not produced cash flow in its very long multi-decade history, uh, and it is expensive on a price to sales basis. Uh, so my judgment is, Ryan. Yeah, we're gonna have to say we're gonna have to say a no buy. Yeah, we're gonna have to say that Ballard is is not a buy, not for Keystone, anyways. Uh, it basically comes down to the raw numbers, uh, lack of profitability for so long, um, slowdown in revenue in the last quarter, uh, as well as you know high valuation relative to sales. All of those things combined together, and I want to also make the point here as well. Keystone is focused on profitable businesses. So from a perspective of us potentially recommending a company, it has to be profitable. I am willing to relax that criteria somewhat um, for these segments, just so that we can talk about some other types of interesting growth companies that maybe aren't profitable yet, but they need to be on a track record of profitability. I need to, th- I need to be confident that a company is going to transition into profitability over the next, I would say, at least 12 to 24 months. And in the case of Ballard, I just don't have that confidence. So I'm sorry, Brennan. This makes you 4 oh, now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, Brennan gave us, uh, he, he took this on. He took on the tougher case here once again, so we'll commend him for that. I was going to say a couple yeah, we'll of the positives. Yeah, let everybody know. Brennan uh, is the one. We let him decide who yeah. which position he wants to take. And, and, you know, we can criticize Brennan for always taking the loser, but I think that Brennan <laughs> is really trying to shoot for the stars. He could take the easy position. Um, the safe position, but he's trying to. He, he's really trying. To, he's fighting to get the good fight. He really he, wants to. He goes for the. Long but yeah, shot I definitely. And he, and he makes I it. definitely wanted to like make sure our listeners don't think that you guys are just putting me on that side. Yeah, I'm definitely picking it. When I started looking and digging into the company, I was like, 
oh shoot, <laughs> you know, maybe I shouldn't have picked this side. Look, no, ba- uh, as I started, there really are some positives, it, but, and you uh, went through them. I mean, it, if if Ballard mm-hmm, succeeds mm-hmm. in their core market, you know, there is significant blue uh, sky upside. It's just there's there is tons of competition. There is competition in their market too, and it's just not but, value. I mean, some investing, of the other almost, you know, yeah, it's very yeah. speculative. Um, but go on. Of sorry. course, it's just it's just not going to meet our criteria ever mm-hmm. until it becomes profitable. Um, but I mean. It, Liquidity on the positive side is not going to be an issue for the next few years, probably. Management has uh, realized that their, I hope they've realized that their share price is relatively high uh, given its underlying fundamentals. They've done two raises. They just did a raise a day ago of $250 million. And, you know, there's significant let, net cash that could be in the range of $500 million in the bank after this recent raise. Uh, so that's going to provide them the liquidity to, um, you know, to continue to develop their technology. But we have seen this company, the issue has been back to the 2000s, really, they've had that promising technology. Ballard's share price back then, if you can believe, jumped to $165 per share in the kind of the tech, the dot-com bloom. Now, since then, it's really just been a couple of blips up up and, you know, up to, from there, but it's really just been on a downward trajectory because the company has not, been able to produce anything close to sustainable profitability, any profitability, really. And if you can't do that over time, you've had 20 years, 20, 30 years developing your technology. Um, Yes, it could be revolutionary technology, but that is a long time to not be able to prove out that you can successfully build a product that can actually make money. You know, potentially they come out with it, but at this point, you're crossing your fingers, hoping that they do come out with, and and everybody goes with their technology within that market segment. Uh, that is too much of a bet. And if you, the more companies you put in your portfolio, if you have 15 companies where you're crossing your fingers on them and hoping that they are the winners in a particular segment. Uh, it's far too risky. There are so many other companies out there that are already doing things, that have already uh, achieved proof of concept, that trade at reasonable valuations, that if you put 15 of those in your portfolio, you're going to be far better off over the long term. And that's why we do these exercises and stress cash flow and earnings in the businesses that you own in your portfolio. Well said. Okay, so let's, uh, Brennan, any more on Ballard? Nope. Are you good? No, I Are think you, that's you're good. Ballard out. That, I that's think that's good. good. Okay. But uh, just uh, next time around, for, for all the listeners that are cheering me on, I will try to pick the winning side next time. And there's so many, trust <laughs> me, at least in your mind. Yes. It's good to hear yes. that you know, or you think that there's so many cheering you on. Now, for our Your Stock, Our Take segment. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take buy, sell, or hold. So we take a question from Lauren via email. It's on Element Fleet Management. Brennan, that is yours. Yes. So Element Fleet Management, ticker symbol EFN on the TSX, currently trading at a price of around $13, has a market cap of $5.66 billion and a forward dividend yield of approximately 2%. So Element is a leading global fleet management company providing world-class services and financings for commercial vehicle and equipment fleets, including a comprehensive range of fleet services that span the total life cycle from vehicle acquisition and financing to program management and remarketing. 
So just a few key points here is that Elements collections and credit performance in the quarter saw a return to pre-COVID-19 levels and in some cases even improved on those levels. So since financing vehicle fleets is a large portion of the business, it's great to see that delinquencies are not trending in the wrong direction right now. Uh, The company has also put in place a series of transformational efforts over the past 25 months to increase operational efficiency, which the company stated delivered $35 million of profit improvement in Q3 of 2020, uh, and the company made an additional $24 million of one-time investments this quarter to continue this transformational process into year-end, and I think that's going to be the last payment that they make for that transformational process. Um, Now, also looking at their growth targets that they want to achieve here, uh, they provided a target for 2021 to aggressively pursue organic growth by magnifying 4 to 6% annual organic revenue growth into high single digit to low double digit annual operating income growth. So if that can be achieved, that's great. Uh, And finally, I mean, they do pay a yield. So just looking at that here, uh, they recently increased its common dividend 44% from 18 cents to 26 cents annually per share, equating to a payout ratio of approximately 30% of the company's last 12 months uh, adjusted earnings per share, uh, which is healthy. Now, just quickly looking at the uh, financial results for Q3 of 2020, revenue was down slightly to $243 million from approximately $246 million in Q3 of 2019. Gap net income per share for the quarter was flat at $0.14 cents, uh, compared to the same quarter last year. Uh, funds from operation, or FFO, uh, per share was down slightly to $0.49 cents from $0.51 cents per share from the same quarter last year. And 12 trailing month FFO was 991 million, providing the company with an enterprise value to FFO multiple of approximately 17 times, which I believe uh, places the company near fair value, uh, but possibly reasonably priced if the company can achieve their target of high single to low double digit annual operating income growth in 2021. And now just quickly looking at the balance sheet, uh, they have a net debt position of 10.3 billion, so a lot of debt, uh, and a net debt to FFO multiple of 13 times. So they do look quite levered here. Um, Now this appears high, but it is important to note that the company does have total earning assets of 10.8 billion, Um, which are defined as net investments in finance receivables, total carrying value of equipment under operating leases, and carrying value of other earning assets. So now, although these assets are not very liquid and are subject to credit risk, uh, funds could be generated to help pay off debt um, if they need it. Uh, And on a good note, its 12 trailing month interest coverage ratio is 2.3 times, so it can certainly service its debt right now. Now, just to conclude here, Element fleet management appears to be making a nice rebound out of COVID, uh, and I believe there will be sufficient growth opportunities for fleet management as internet shopping and delivery services uh, continue to grow and companies will, of course, need to service and update old vehicle fleets as they become outdated. So on a macro side of things, I like where they are positioned. Now, looking at the business itself, it has a healthy payout ratio, a slight yield, and I like that the company is working on optimizing its operational efficiency through its transformational program. Plus, it is great to see that the company is prioritizing organic growth in 2021 with a high single-digit to low-mid-digit operating income growth target. Now, if these targets are met, the stock could potentially offer some value at its current price, but with it trading right now near 17 times enterprise value to FFO, I believe that the stock is trading near fair value.
Yes, I would agree with that. I'd, I'd actually say for me, uh, 17 times EV to cash flow is, uh, is seems to me somewhat pricey. Um, you'd also mentioned a, a 2.3 times interest coverage ratio. So mm-hmm. um, essentially how many times they're, coveraging, they're covering their interest payments over a given year. 2.3 times, I would consider that quite low. Typically when we're looking at REITs, uh, real estate investment trusts, that's a metric that we use a lot to analyze the balance sheet. And we're looking for a multiple closer to three, um, even above three times would, would indicate lower lower balance sheet risk. One of the things about Element is that, um, so they refer to themselves as a fleet management company, but they're really, to me, uh, operate more of a, as a leasing company. Um, if you look at their if, uh, look at their revenues, about half of it is financing revenue. Uh, they talk about originations and assets under management. So, as a financing company, it's it's you you wouldn't necessarily expect them to get a high valuation. Typically, those companies got lower valuations. That said, they also have over half their revenue is servicing income. Um, so there are other elements to the business, but it's always been I've thought somewhat of a complicated entity. Um, perhaps a little more complicated than uh, than I would personally than I would personally like. Um, you know, interesting story. Stable performance in the last quarter. So yeah, it's funny that you say that it was it's complicated because even when I was going through it, I was kind of finding that it was a little complicated to wrap my head around it myself. I'm on evaluation to reiterate again. Even if we take the high end of its offering income anticipated guidance or the growth there at low single digits or low sorry low double digit growth um it appears to be fairly valued it trades at 14 to 15 times earnings um and i would see the potential for risk as covid related business subsidies are scaled back as they will have to be over time that there isn't at least a little blip there and and when you're trading at uh, not massive premium, but somewhat of a premium, and there is still some risk of a little bit of a setback. Um, you know, it just it says fair value to sli- to overvalued at this stage. the The recovery in the shares may have been a little bit too premature, is what I would say. Perfect. Thanks, now, guys. yeah, let's move on to our weekly star from our stars and dogs segment. It's time for this week's star. star. That is Mogo Inc., symbol O-M-O-G-O on the TSX. Aaron Dunn, that is yours. Excellent. Mogo Inc. uh, trading today at about $3.14. It's a $95 market cap company. Mogo Inc. is a Canadian-based financial technology or fintech company. Uh, They offer a finance app that provides a number of solutions for managing and monitoring financial health. These include a digital spending account with Mogo Visa Platinum prepaid card that also features things like automatic carbon offsetting. Uh, They also offer free monthly credit score monitoring, ID fraud protection, and as well, personal loans. We actually had Mogo as a dog in late August. The company had just reported its first quarter of positive operating income in its history, but weakness in other areas of the financial performance resulted in an 18% decline in the share price. Now it seems that Mogo's fortunes may have reversed as the company is up 30% over the past five trading days and up 36% since we featured the stock as a weekly dog in August. It's actually been a very wild ride for Mogo and its shareholders since August, and the company did hit a low of $1.65 just earlier this month, uh, shortly before the release of its Q3 financial report. The Q3 report was released on November 10th. 
Total revenue was down 35% to $9.8 million, uh, but still slightly above the company's guidance. Subscription and services revenues were down 30% to $4.2 million in the quarter. But cash flow from operations was $5.2 million in the quarter, compared to a loss of $5.1 million in the same quarter last year. Adjusted earnings were positive at $3.4 million, compared to a loss of $5.2 million. The company also reported that its members increased 16% year-over-year to 1,074,000 at quarter end, and this was driven partly by the launch of its free ID fraud protection service. In conclusion, this is MoGo's second consecutive quarter of positive operating income. It's a great sign, and it does appear that the company may be transitioning into sustainable profitability. We are not, we, however, we are not particularly comfortable with the revenue decline. I would focus more on the subscription revenue as opposed to the total revenue, uh, but subscription revenue was also down significantly compared to last year. On a valuation basis, price to adjusted earnings, price to cash flow, MoGo is starting to look cheap now that it's entering into profitability. Uh, this is assuming that the company can sustain its current level of earnings. One thing that we did discuss about MoGo last time uh, it was featured as a dog is that the company is somewhat comprised of two different businesses. On one side, there's a financial technology or fintech company. This is how the company markets itself to investors. But MoGo is also a consumer finance or lending company, and the majority of its revenue is still coming from interest income. These are really two completely different businesses from our perspective. Successful fintech companies should garner higher valuations than pure finance companies. So going forward, if the company can continue to pivot its business towards a pure fintech, uh, pure fintech application and as well maintain strong, strong financial performance, then we could see an improvement in the valuation multiple. MoCo continues to be on our watch list. We will be watching the subscription revenue. And if the company can start to grow that subscription revenue, then it would, it would really begin to interest us a lot more going forward. Until now, it's going to remain on our watch list. For sure. That's what we're really monitoring closely is that recurring subscription revenue. And as that increases, MoCo becomes more attractive to us over time. We'll continue to monitor it. Well, that's going to close out our show for this week. Um, I thank Aaron and Brennan, my co-host, for co-hosting with me. Keep your questions coming in to our Ask Us Anything segments as well as our Your Stock, Our Take segment and our new Case For and Case Against segments, and we'll keep answering those every week. Uh, I'd like to encourage you to buy uh, our online on-demand seminar, Build a Modern Stock Portfolio with 15 to 25 quality stocks. It is available now for purchase. Uh, there's a number of stocks that we recommend in there and some great content on how to put together that simple DIY portfolio. Again, thanking my co-hosts. Everybody stay safe out there, and I wish you all profitable investing. Thank you. Thank you. Profitable investing. Thanks, everyone.